Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com slash citizens. All right, all right, all right. Hey, welcome to Citizens Youth. Oh, man, I got cookie crumbs from the game on me somehow from Micah. Goodness gracious. Yeah, well, it's okay. I didn't notice that until this exact second. Great time. Hey, uh, open up your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the seat right in front of you. And Isaiah is uh, in the Old Testament. It's probably right-ish in the middle-ish of your Bible. Uh, So go ahead, if you don't know where Isaiah is, ask a person and friend next to you. They'd be happy to show you. Uh, They're also going to be on the screen, but I really think there's something special about opening up your uh, real Bible, your physical Bible, and um, reading along together in God's Word. And um, it's Christmas time. What? It is. I know it's not December yet, but that's tomorrow. I'm going to stay up till midnight to celebrate, everybody. Isaiah chapter 9. Thanks for the question. Appreciate it. Isaiah chapter 9, starting in verses 2. And I love this passage so much that I was preparing, and I realized I had already preached this one last year, but I didn't even care because I like it so much. So that's, uh, that's awesome. Um, if I don't know you, if I haven't had a chance to connect with you yet, my name's Noah. I help lead our youth ministry here at NGC. And um, Christmas is a time for celebration. Christmas is a time to gather with family and friends and to take a break from school. Someone say yes and amen. Yes and amen. How many weeks do you guys have? Do you like a week and a half, two weeks? How, how long do we have? Homeschoolers are like, I have, I have forever off. But what? Okay, two and a half? Okay. Nice. Very cool. I, college students have like a month and a half. It's like, why are you paying that much money if you never go to school, right? And I fell for the, I fell for the trick too, but it's whatever. Um, Okay, so in about 25 days, picture it. You're going to open your eyes. It's going to be Christmas morning. You're going to run downstairs. There's going to be maybe presents or coal under the tree. You don't know for sure yet. Still got time. You're going to gather with friends and family, and you're going to celebrate Christmas. But here's the question I want to ask ourselves today. Why is Christmas important? Why is Christmas important? We're going to be in a short series, only two weeks, one week in Isaiah chapter 9, one week in Matthew chapter 1, that's next week from Pastor Ben, which I'm very excited for. And the series is called God With Us. But the question you have to ask yourself is, why is Christmas important? Why does Christmas matter? This question kind of reminds me of that like last minute homework assignment you get from like a substitute teacher. It's like, and now class, write a 300 word essay on what Christmas means to me, right? We've all had this before. Maybe. Again, homeschoolers are like, not me. But who's had a substitute teacher and they just like randomly give you like an essay to write? Yes. Um, I think like when we write those essays, there's a lot of gaps, like there's a lot of uh, fill in the blanks that uh, people can have, right? When asking the question, what is Christmas? Why is Christmas important? What does it mean to me? A lot of people will say Christmas is about family. Christmas is important to me because I get to gather around with my family and maybe my friends, some relatives I only see once a year. And that's all fine and good. Maybe some people would say Christmas is important to me because of presents. Now, not getting them, of course, right? Giving them, of course, we would all say that, right? 
It's not about getting presents. I, I like the presents, but I like giving them, right? Some of us might say that. Uh, Christmas is important to me because of community efforts and charity, right? This is the time of year people usually give to nonprofits. People serve all around the community. And some people might say that's the real meaning of Christmas is kind of the spirit we share of giving to one another. And okay, that's pretty good. Some people would say Christmas is important to me because I get some rest and relaxation. Again, yes and amen. Time to sleep in. Right? I get to sleep in, not on Christmas morning, I'm up at 5 a.m., but every other day I am sleeping in. And while these things are, might not be bad, what if I asked you, what if I told you that Christmas is really about one thing and that every other fill-in-the-blank that we have might not be accurate when asking ourselves the question, why is Christmas important? More than just one thing, what if I told you that Christmas is about one person, specifically the person of Jesus Christ. Though Christmas can mean a lot of different things to many people, Christmas is truly only about one thing and one person. That is Jesus Christ, and it's the story of God with us. And that's what we're celebrating for the next two and three weeks here at Citizens, is the reality that God has made a way for you and I to be with him once again. That is what Christmas is about, and that is why Christmas is important. And passages like this that we're going to read tonight, it is, it is important to remind ourselves that in the Old Testament, everything that you see written in the Old Testament was written years before Jesus Christ, who we get to talk about. And all of the Old Testament and all the law and all the prophets was pointing to this spectacular event that we call Christmas. Everything that you read in the Old Testament is pointing to one person. It's not just telling us how to live moral lives. It's not just writing an entertaining story. It is all pointing to one central figure, and it's certainly not you or I. It is Jesus Christ, God incarnate, the one who made a way for us to be with him again. And so make no mistake, that's what we celebrate here at Citizens. That's what we celebrate here at our church. And it's important to know that every single thing this Christmas season, everything should be related and associated with that one truth. Why is Christmas important? Because Christmas is about the most important person who's ever lived. So why don't you read along with me, uh, starting here in verse 2 of Isaiah chapter 9. It should be on the screen if, if, um, if you don't have your Bible with you. This is what it says. It says, the people who walked... In darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You've increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. And they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his oppressor, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot trampling warrior in the battle of tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Wow, this is some pretty gnarly stuff from the Old Testament. I'm excited um, to explain and walk through what God has to say. God, be with us as we uh, explore uh, why Christmas is important, how verses like this uh, point to this one spectacular, miraculous moment in human history that we celebrate thousands of years later, and we call it Christmas. God, help us not to lose focus. Help us not to lose sight. Help us not to forget. Help us not to take for granted. Help us to uh, look to you as the reason for Christmas, as the uh, reason we celebrate. Uh, even if other people don't agree, help us to have that joy in our hearts as we uh, 
as we celebrate this year. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. The verses I just read, there's one point I want you to uh, write down. It's that uh, these verses show us and the author implores us to rejoice in God's salvation. To rejoice in God's salvation. Now, it's important to remember the entire context of the Old Testament, as I've already talked about, years before Jesus Christ. Um, the entire narrative of Scripture is actually wrapped around in this idea called God with us. And that's the reality that God wants to dwell with his people. And God has established relationships between himself and us. Now, God has done this throughout the Old Testament. Uh, and, and, and we call these things covenants. And from the very beginning of time, God desired to be with his people. In the very first relationship between God and man, we see Adam and Eve in the garden. God has created a perfect world. He's created uh, us in the image of God, and he said it is very good. Now, uh, we decided to break that covenant. We decided to break that relationship uh, between God by sinning and by following after our own desires. And ever since that moment, God has been reconciling all things to himself. He has, uh, his plan from the beginning of time has been to reconcile the broken pieces of our own sinfulness and unite them together and unite us back together in Jesus Christ. So we have to understand that this is where we're at in the story. Jesus has not come yet. This is written about 700 to 600 years before Jesus would come. And this is written maybe a couple hundred years before a pretty catastrophic event in the history of the people of God. And so here in this moment, uh, we see Isaiah, he is prophesying, which means he's speaking the words of God. He has the Holy Spirit of God in him. And so as he is writing these things and as he is saying these things, it's like God is talking himself. Now, we don't live in that day and age anymore because we all have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us if we're following Jesus Christ. But these words would have been so weighty for the people of God. And it says that there is a reason to rejoice in the salvation of God. You see, all throughout the covenant history, all throughout history, uh, man has chosen to turn their way and turn their back on God. But every time God establishes a relationship with God and, uh, with man, he is trying to reconcile all things to himself. Look at it. It says, the people who walked in great darkness, who have seen a great light, those who dwell in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shown. And then this is where the joy part comes in. You've multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They will rejoice before you as the joy of the harvest. Now this is simply communicating that there is so much joy when God decides to be with his people. There is so much joy that comes in reconciliation between God and man. And again, Isaiah is prophesying. He's speaking the words of God. Specifically, he is speaking to King Ahaz. And uh, he is calling the king and the rest of the people to repent, but to look forward to a Messiah, to look forward to somebody who is going to save them. And now a lot of times throughout the Old Testament and even in the times of Jesus, when people heard words like this, they had a picture of what this Messiah would look like. And God continually gave prophets and he gave them to the people of Israel to kind of show and sprinkle in glimpses of glory that was to come. And that's exactly what's happening here. And he is speaking about a future Messiah. But a lot of these people were picturing a warrior, a king, a conqueror, 
a conqueror, someone who would come in and would uh, defeat their political or, or, or actual adversaries to establish this beautiful kingdom here on earth and to make everything right. But we see throughout the story of God and throughout the story of us that that is not exactly um, what happened. But here we have the promise of a light who would shine in the darkness. Now, I want you to picture this. I want you, I don't know if you've ever been in this situation. Who's ever been in a room when the power goes out, right, unexpectedly, right? Talk about one of the most confusing moments of my life, like room with no windows and the power goes out. That happened to me once at a friend's house in their basement. And I was like, I, did I just die? Because like the lights are out. I can't see anything, right? Um, picturing moments like that. Maybe you wake up in the middle of the night and you like, can't like, quite see things yet. Um, this is an illustration to show the reality of the state of the human heart. This isn't exactly an illustration literally. Like There's still night and day in this day and age, right? This wasn't like something where the sun didn't exist. What Isaiah is doing here is he is shining a light on the reality of spiritual darkness and spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness means you can't understand the things of God. Spiritual blindness means you want to choose sin, which is the opposite of God's character, versus the things of God. And so what uh, Isaiah is doing here is he is saying that there's going to be one day somebody who shines a light on us in our darkest moment, in our deepest uh, pain, in the worst and darkest moments of our lives. There will be a Messiah that comes to shine light. And now this is a key thing to understand if you're going to truly understand the meaning and the reality of Christmas. If you're going to fully uh, realize and understand and appreciate what this thing we call Christmas is, you first need to recognize your and I's need for the light. Before we can know what Christmas means, we need to know who we would be without this Messiah. And the reality is we would be walking in darkness. But this is a reason to rejoice because God's character is gracious. You know, so many people have different perspectives of God. So many people have uh, different uh, relations, like different understandings of who God is. But the reality is God doesn't want, even though this relationship has been splintered in some way, God doesn't want his people to wander around in spiritual darkness. God doesn't want his children to fumble around in a dark room. God wants to establish a relationship for every single person who is here listening to my voice. God has shone a light upon all darkness. We're going to see who that is here in just a second. But this has given us a reason to rejoice. It says, they rejoice before you as the joy with the harvest. Hey, this was pretty exciting because it meant people got to eat and survive like the winter, right? Okay, the harvest time. I know like people are like, when is that? Because like I just go to Safeway if I need food. The joy that comes with knowing that you have enough to provide for your family, that you have enough to survive the winter. This is an immense joy. And Isaiah is once again using these two illustrations here to show that there is so much joy that comes from salvation in the Lord. And God's character is gracious. God's character is one who's constantly redeeming and fixing and, and rescuing and reconciling all things to himself. God doesn't want anyone to walk in spiritual blindness. God doesn't want anyone to uh, wander around without knowing him. 
And this truth is universally true for all those who know the Messiah. When they know and when you know the Messiah, Jesus Christ, you will not walk in darkness again. You will have a light. And in that moment, you will know the things that are are good and the things that are not good. The Holy Spirit guides you and directs you and helps you understand in all things the things of God and all things uh, that he has put before us. And so that is the first point of this uh, Christmas story tonight, right? Rejoice in God's salvation. Rejoice in God's salvation. Man, if you know Jesus, there is a reason to be thankful. And there is a reason to look towards him more than anything else in this Christmas season. But so often we try and look for a couple like mini saviors, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, So many of us who've wandered from death to life through the power of Jesus, so many of us in this room who maybe have seen the light of Christ in our own lives are often tempted uh, to try and go to some lesser lights. But God is the light that shines in all darkness. And when you know him, you are saved not just from your sins right there, but you are saved from your sins for eternity. And if God has saved you, if God has redeemed you, if God has rescued you, then he is constantly rescuing you, which means you are constantly returning to him, not for eternal salvation, but for daily guidance and for daily direction. He is always going to be your light in the darkness. And if that's true for you, if that was true for you five years ago, six years ago, 10 years ago, it should be true for you today. So this Christmas season, remember this joy, the light of the salvation that Christ offers us. So this is the promise that the people who walk in great darkness would one day see a light, that they would be open to the spiritual reality of good and evil, and they would understand that God is good and his salvation is good. But what would this Messiah look like? What would he sound like? What would he do? What were some of the names that he was going to have? How could we look for him in our daily lives? Well, the author answers right here in verse 6. And this is a passage you may have read or time and time again, it's a classic Christmas passage, but of course, it's wonderful, and it always speaks fresh truth to us when we listen to God's word. It says this in verse 6, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, On the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. First, we rejoice in God's salvation and we can rejoice in God's Savior. This is a picture that the prophet Isaiah, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is painting of a Savior. And verse 6 shows us that the Savior is going to be a baby. For unto us a child is born. The key to the brightest light in the universe, the key to salvation, the reality of spiritual enlightenment is going to come in the form of a kid? It's going to appear to us in the form of a child? For unto us a son is born, or a child is born, to us a son is given. And the promise here in verse 7 says the Messiah will take the throne of David. Now this is some weighty language. This isn't something to pass over. He will establish a kingdom and he will uphold it 
with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Meaning, this king is going to stay the king. This Messiah is going to be a permanent Messiah. And this Messiah will come in the form of a child. Now, so many people were probably looking to a Messiah. And they were looking for a person who kind of had the spirit of God in them to save them literally uh, from their enemies and to establish political authority in this world. But the reality and the beautiful thing that we see in the life of Christ is that God didn't just send someone and put his spirit upon them. God literally came down to earth to be with us and to save us, not from danger around us, but the danger within ourselves and that's sin. And that's what this verse is saying. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Meaning, all authority is going to be given to this Messiah. All authority is going to be held in his hands. But he's going to come as a child. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. And that's why we understand that God humbled himself to the point of a servant. But I don't think we talk about this. God humbled himself to the point of being an infant child born of the Virgin Mary. And that is what Christmas is about. Here are some names that we see from Jesus in uh, verse 6. It says, Wonderful Counselor. Uh, wonder, I like that word wonderful there. It says, The Messiah will always satisfy. The Messiah will always satisfy. You need to go nowhere else when you embrace him. You could never ask for something else, for he is all satisfying. He's wonderful. I love that word counselor there. It means the uh, Messiah Jesus is wise and he wants to be with you. And he is there for you in your time of need. For someone who wants to guide and direct you and be with you. Wonderful counselor. We see mighty God. Uh, Jesus can't be separated from his divinity. Uh, Jesus is mighty God. Now this verse here uh, just affirms what Jesus would say about himself, that he is divine, mighty God. There will never be a situation in your life that arises that Jesus like is kind of caught off guard by. Mighty God, that word means he's immovable. He can't change. He hasn't changed. He won't change. And when you are one with him, your life can be immovable with him. He is mighty. What else does it say about God? It says he's the everlasting father. So many words God could have used. So many different things God could have said about himself and his Messiah. And he chose to use the word Father. Now, I don't know if you have a great relationship with your dad, and I'm really sorry if you don't, but Jesus is a perfect father, an everlasting father. Means that the things that you look for in your father that like aren't perfect and like the relationship you have that is strained, that's not the reality with Jesus. And it's really hard for people to separate their perspective on their earthly father and their perspective on their heavenly father. It's very difficult to do. If you have a passive father who's not really there for you, that's kind of what you think of God. Now, if you have a loving father, it's easier to picture God as loving father. If you have an abusive or angry father, I'm sorry about that again, but that's not what God is like. This is what he's like. He's the everlasting father. And then finally, he's the prince of peace. Probably one of the most popular Christmas time phrases for the Messiah. The prince of peace. There is turmoil happening. Now, as Isaiah writes this, in about 200 years, the Israelites are going to be kicked out of the promised land and enslaved in Babylon, which is a big bummer is a, to, to understate it a little bit here. There's going to be so many years for the people of God of turmoil and the lack of peace and the lack of understanding. But this Messiah 
in his very existence is peace. He exists as peace. And when you and I know him, we no longer have a war between us and our sinful desires. We have atonement for our sin and we have peace with God. And you can have peace on a daily basis when you know him. And you can have peace when the world around you seems like it's all falling apart. You can have peace in days and moments where holidays that should be exciting don't seem that exciting because of what's going on in your family. The Prince of Peace is available and ready for you. And that is what God calls his servant. He says he's a child. He will be given to us as a gift, the best gift of all time. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Verse 7, on, of the increase of his government, his, his, his authority, his rulership, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Meaning that as Jesus rules more and as he rules more in your life, you will not, you will only know peace. Of the increase of his uh, government and of peace, there shall be no end. As Jesus grows in authority in your life, as you recognize him as the authority of your life, the more peace you will have. So many of us treat God like he's a buffet. Like, let's think about this. I, I, I think buffets are kind of gross sometimes. My friend was kind of obsessed with going to Golden Corral. I think I've told you this before. And I was just like, dude, what is wrong with you? I don't know why this is happening. Um, and so uh, oftentimes at Golden Corral, one, you shouldn't eat anything. But if you're going to eat a few things, it's like, okay, they have unlimited ice cream, which is kind of awesome. They have a chocolate fountain, which is also kind of cool. But then they also have vegetables, and you're like, oh, I don't want that, right? Uh, so many of us treat God like he's a vending machine or he's a buffet or whatever, and we can like get things that we want from God um, that we prefer. And so often we want the peace of God. We want to have the peace that comes with knowing God, but we don't want the authority that comes with submitting to God as king, right? We kind of like treat that part like the vegetables and we're like, God, give me the peace, give me the joy, give me all those things. But what this verse clearly shows us is that of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Simply saying it like this, when you know Jesus, you know what peace is. So many people want joy, so many people want peace, but not everybody wants Jesus. And if you want joy and you want peace, it is found in one man alone, the one who came to us as what? A child. In verse 6, of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. Jesus doesn't stop his mission. Jesus doesn't stop his mission. Of course, prophet Isaiah is looking forward, but we get to look back 2,000 years, right? Isn't this crazy? These are wonderful, like perfectly um, uh, uh, pr preserved words from God that we get to look back on, and I just find that so awesome. But we get to look back at the ministry of Jesus and recognize it hasn't stopped. The reality that you're here in this room listening to my voice right now is a testament to that. That God's authority, is to, it exists above everything and, and, and all things, but it continues in the already not yet kingdom of God right now. It is a uh, mission and a message that cannot be stopped. It is a mission and a message that is for all people of all nations for the rest of time and for the rest of uh, eternity. This is the ministry of Jesus. No challenger, no scandal. It will never stop what God is doing in his kingdom. Jesus can't be ruled from his, uh, he can't be separated from his divinity and he can't be separated from his peace and from his authority. 
And so the obvious question is, do you know that peace and do you know that joy? Is there an immovable, an inseparable peace in your life that you have because you have met this Messiah, right? So many people were looking for a man who would conquer their enemies and a man who would conquer their worst fears and he'd be this mighty warrior. But Jesus is the picture of the Prince of Peace. And we're going to read and see more about him throughout um, the rest of the series. He exists as that and he came to show us a spiritual light and the spiritual reality of our own darkness and to light up the darkest parts of our lives. And so the question is, do you know that joy? Do you know that peace? So here's why we celebrate Christmas. Why is it important? The good news of this Christmas is that God kept his promise. Verse 7, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Future tense, something that's going to happen. And the reason we celebrate Christmas is because God kept his promise. Another truth that you have to understand in order to fully understand and to know and to value this Christmas is to know that, one, we need a Savior. Two, Jesus is that Savior. And three, God fulfilled exactly the thing he said he was going to do. God delivered on his promise of a Savior. Does God keep his promises? Yes, of course forever and always he does. That's the main idea tonight. Christmas is God fulfilling his ultimate promise to be with us, to rescue his people from darkness and to uh, bring them from death to life and to exist as the Prince of Peace and the wonderful counselor. God delivered on all of these promises and that's why we celebrate Christmas. This is not just a time to celebrate with friends and family, though that's awesome. It's not just a time to get off school. It's not just a time to get and give gifts. We know we love getting gifts. But this is a time to understand that God's ultimate promise was fulfilled through a child being born. And that is Jesus Christ. Christmas is about God bringing his Savior to earth so that Savior can bring you out of darkness. Christmas is God willingly leaving heaven so that you can be there too one day. Christmas is a reminder that God consistently keeps his promises. And Christmas is a reminder that if we didn't have the Savior, we would still be in that darkness. And Christmas is the beginning of the work that Jesus says is finished when he was on the cross. And while the people of Israel are looking forward, we get to look back. And the question I have for you tonight is, who do you think that this Jesus is? Who do you think that he is? He's the most popular person who's ever lived. His name has been uttered more than any other name in history. The Bible is the best-selling book of all time, like by an infinite amount, it seems like, right? And so the question is, why for you, if you don't know Jesus, why is this the case? Why do so many people worship him? Why do so many people follow him? Because he is who he says he would be. And we're going to see the story of how God kept his promise, specifically, of course, next week. But God physically gave himself to us so we could be spiritually reunited with him. And that is the joy of Christmas. And that is the plan for salvation. There is no other name in which we need to be saved other than Jesus Christ, who is Lord. Jesus would literally be there. Think about this, this idea of God with us. All throughout history, God wants to be with his people. 
And so many times, I'm sure there was probably people who thought, okay, that's like a really cool, like, metaphorical idea. Like, it's like in a spiritual sense, God's with us in battle. In a spiritual way, God is with us. But no, Christmas is God actually with his people, literally. Closer than many of us can even imagine. He, He was here as a child, as an infant, and that is God delivering on his promise to be with his people. And that is why we celebrate Have you trusted in that Messiah? Have you found perfect peace? Have you turned to that Messiah every day? And the reality is you can turn and embrace him in faith. There's no stipulations. There's no um, trick question. There's no subscription to sign up for. It is simply saying, God, I am a sinner and I need that light. I need that salvation that is only found in your son, Jesus. And that is the good news of the gospel. And that is why we celebrate Christmas. So why is it important? Because God fulfilled his ultimate promise. And so I just want you to follow along here in the next few weeks. Does the joy of salvation like still weigh heavy on your heart? Does the joy of knowing Jesus still excite you? Does the joy of recognizing that that baby in a manger is so much more than just a baby. It is God fulfilling his ultimate promise. Does that excite you? Does that truth weigh heavy on your hearts? Are you burdened for people who don't know about that truth yet? If you know him, if you've been following him, I'd encourage you this Christmas season, reflect, pray, thank God, sing to God, embrace him through prayer and through thanksgiving and through serving Look to him for the reason of the season. Yes, I know I sound like a bumper sticker, but it's true. It's something to celebrate. Does it still grip you? Does the awesomeness of God still like excite you and, 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 and invigorate your daily life and your daily thinking? If not, I'd encourage you to pray along with me now as the band comes up. God, uh, we love you. I am thankful for um, verses like this throughout the Old Testament and throughout all of Scripture that point to you uh, clearly as the name above all names, as the Messiah. I pray that you would continue to um, grip our hearts with how awesome you are and how, um, and how much uh, joy and thanksgiving you've brought to our lives. I pray that uh, we would not be tempted to look to um, other false um, saviors, whether it's our friends, our family, our own Um, work ethic, whatever it may be, God, I pray that we would embrace you uh, constantly. For those who uh, don't know you yet, I pray that you would continue to um, uh, draw uh, yourself, uh, draw them towards yourself, as you've promised in Scripture. I'd ask, Lord, that uh, this Christmas season, uh, we wouldn't be distracted, we wouldn't be tempted to uh, forget what it is and why Christmas is important. Um, We love you, Lord. It's all this we pray. Jesus, your precious name. Amen.